What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business as always we do appreciate you listening to each and every show and if you do have 5 10 15 seconds to spare please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app it is much appreciated with all that said thank you once again for tuning in i hope you have a great day now let's get back to the show we're talking prospects on roto viz radio what's up roto viz Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz. I am always excited about talking prospects, really pumped to talk about some with Curtis. Uh, what is going on, Mr. Patrick? How are you? I'm great, man. Uh, I'm actually off of work, uh, off the day job this week. So just totally all about fantasy, getting some time to recharge with uh, the family some special time with the kiddos as they're on spring break. So, you know, that always fills up my cup a little bit. Uh, and, uh, and I'm, I'm simultaneously, as I'm talking about filling up a cup, I'm also emptying a cup. I've got some uh, Booker's biscuit batch in my glass tonight. This is one of my favorite bourbons out there. So yeah, just r- really in my comfort zone uh, talking prospects, one of my favorite targets every single year. We've got the 2021 Rotoviz fantasy football rookie guide up on the site starting to plan volume two coming out. This is very on topic, Dave. All right. I, I love it. Um, at some point you and I are going to have to have a conversation about whiskey, bourbon, all of that. I am currently drinking a Coca-Cola with coffee. There's a long origin story about that, but we're trying to keep things tight on this one. I will bring that up another time. Um, and we, <laughs> we, oh, I have so many questions. Yeah. yeah that's we, for another show. That's for another show. And I've got to find my new drop. Uh, here it is. That is just called the generic quick drop. I did not have one set up for prospects, but I want to open with a prospect that is not getting a lot of talk. That is Florida quarterback Kyle Trask. And I found some interesting notes on him while I was working on a quarterback piece for the Rookie Guide, uh, Volume 1. Volume 2, we will talk about uh, you know, at some point in the future, but Volume 1 had a lot of awesome stuff in it. I was prospecting for quarterback hits, in one of the pieces. And there were three measures that I, that I was looking at in particular in this piece because they are highly correlated with NFL scoring for fantasy quarterbacks. And those measures are total yards per game, a player's highest AYA of their career on a given season, which I'm calling their max AYA, and total touchdowns per game. And here's the crazy thing, everybody. Kyle Trask, when you put those three metrics together and you look at a player's percentile of all the quarterbacks in the class, he averaged the highest percentile. So this guy threw for 276 total yards per game, 2.9 touchdowns per game, led the class, and a max AYA of 10.95. 
That is a 93rd percentile, a 97th percentile, and a 95th percentile, giving him the highest average percentile in a class that includes a bunch of highly touted prospects, puts him ahead of Trevor Lawrence, ahead of Justin Fields, ahead of Zach Wilson. Uh, So this is some pretty impressive stuff. I do think, though, that there are reasons that we're not hearing too much talk about him, Curtis, right? If you look at this, if you look at these scouting reports, he's basically a statue, does not help out his offensive line by really showing any mobility. It's going to have to be a pure pocket passer. And in today's fantasy landscape, maybe we won't be that interested in a guy like him. We're also seeing him go as a projected second rounder, which obviously does not help him from a fantasy perspective or a real life perspective for that matter. But those are encouraging numbers. Do you have anything to add on Trask as to why you think that there's not more excitement for him? I think you covered it. Uh, the The scouting reports that I've read, you know, from the the guys that do this more, the, the film and analysis side of it, um, you know, he he's not the best decision maker uh, per se on top of not making plays with his legs. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, for, for me, I just don't think the fantasy upside is there. I would, I would like to lump him in with guys who a range of outcomes is it's very likely he'll make some NFL starts, but very unlikely he ever becomes like a franchise multiple year starter. I would put him in kind of a category Mason Rudolph to Nick Foles um, in, in that area. So he, he probably has more super flex value than he's being treated with uh, in, in rookie drafts at this point. Uh, doesn't seem to be a lot of interest there, but he probably deserves to be selected in the second round, you know, before the end of the second, um, even in early super flex rookie drafts. But, you know, he, yeah, 54 career rushing yards uh, in two full seasons starting. I mean, that's, that's not what we really like to see. Um, from a guy with his size, I mean, he, he's actually, he's a giant. He's 6'5", 240. Um, he's like, you know, mid-90s prototype for a quarterback. Like, he, he's Peyton Manning yep. size, okay? Um, eight rushing touchdowns. So, he, he can score on um, quarterback sneaks. So, maybe, you know, there's a little Ben Roethlisberger, you know, element there. Peyton Manning element there. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm going to put the range of outcomes between Mason Rudolph and Nick Foles. And uh, yeah, and, and when you look at it that way, maybe there really isn't much uh, to be excited about. The road of his box score scout, by the way, um, actually, those are two of his top seven comps. <laughs> and that's <laughs> even if I give Trask, if I give him first round draft capital. So f- for those of you unfamiliar with the box score scout, you can go in and, and edit uh, a lot of the major variables for a prospect. And since we don't know draft capital yet for Kyle Trask, I just gave him a draft position of 30. You know, that kind of presumes that, you know, maybe somebody trades up to the end of the first round and selects him. But most of his comps there end up being um, busts from the top 10. So like Josh Rosen and uh, and then mid, middle round EJ Manuel or guys who just weren't even drafted in the, in the second round altogether. So we get a bunch of third rounders, actually. Nick Foles, uh, we get Mason Rudolph, we get Ryan Mallett, another interesting one there. So, yeah, not much to be excited about from an upside perspective. Fair enough. Uh, the other really interesting player that I want to talk about that while I was working um, on an article last week popped up for me was Jarrett Patterson, and he does really well in a couple of key metrics. In fact, I will have a piece coming out that kind of finds that found two stats that when you put together are have a very, very competitive hit rate when you're looking for elite fantasy running backs. Um, if you look at scouting reports 
on Patterson. You'll see things noting that he has that he's patient, has good vision, that he's elusive. Did not demonstrate much catchability in college, but does look to be good in pass protection. Forces misses near the line of scrimmage. Really, really good yards after contact and broken tackles. Actually led the class in yards uh, after contact per attempt. Now, the thing, though, about Jared Patterson is he played his college ball at Buffalo, which may inflate some of the numbers as a freshman um, had... A total of 14 rushing touchdowns, went over 1,013 yards, comes back as a sophomore, produces 19 touchdowns, and almost uh, and 5.77 yards per carry, 1,800 yards on the ground, a rushing um, adjusted yards market share of 58%, an RB dominator of 60, um, also in six games for Buffalo as a senior, goes over 1,000 yards, averaging 7.6 per carry, 19 rushing touchdowns. I do want to point out that, you know, we don't focus heavily on NFL running backs and their yards per carry. And we often think that a lot of that relates to the situation that they're in. But there definitely is some signal, more signal, at least when you're looking at college backs and their yards per carry. And then my final note here on Patterson is, is that he also actually does pretty decent in my uh, breakaway rush metric. So you put all of that together. This is a player that is not receiving as much talk, likely because they're out of Buffalo. I also am slightly concerned um, about his size coming in at uh, 66.5 inches, just 195 pounds. Ran the 40 in 452, 68 percentile 40. However, at his size... Just a 29th percentile speed score at a 93. That doesn't put him in that zone where I'm going to be super afraid, but it certainly doesn't help. What do you think of Patterson, uh, Curtis? Do you think that he does have a chance to be an elite back like the metrics would show in some cases? I don't think he could get there, but I do think that he might be a player that perhaps at the end of your rookie drafts, if he's still around, you should be considering. Yeah, I think this is a perfect example of a player who's worth a stash, especially like in, in early startups where you can select rookies end end of draft stash status. Okay. What we basically have here athletically is Devin sing uh, slightly quicker Devin Singletary, but 10 pounds lighter. Um, that's not great. Yep. Um, and also, you know, all of the same level of competition woes, uh, you know, that, that kind of get in the way when you're evaluating a, a prospect who puts up kind of these video game numbers and man, I mean, to his credit, Patterson did dominate the horrible competition that he faced. So uh, first off, second most rushing yards in a college football game in an, or uh, in, in college football history, one of only four players with a game uh, over 400 rushing yards. So Samaj P Ryan famously uh, put up 427 rushing yards back in 2014 Patterson's number two, 409. The only other two guys to do it, pretty good in the NFL. Melvin Gordon, 408 yards uh, back in 2014 for Wisconsin. And then uh, LaDainian Tomlinson uh, back in 1999. Time flies, man. Uh, 406 yards for TCU against UTEP. So, um, you know, that's pretty good company. Even uh, Piran ended up being a third-round NFL draft pick, uh, if memory serves correctly, and had a short uh, span of relevance and fantasy. Another interesting tidbit on 
uh, Jarrett Patterson. He was the first running back to rush for 300 yards in back-to-back games since Ricky Williams in 1996. So this is like pretty cool stuff. And even if he never does anything in the NFL, Jarrett Patterson, pretty, pretty okay college football player. Uh, But I think he's more of an interesting stash based off of the level of competition um, and the size uh, issues there. He's probably best served as like uh, somebody who's competing for a spot in a committee. And, you know, maybe you get some spot starts from him at some point in the NFL. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. Um, I really wanted to get super, super pumped up when I first started looking at the numbers, but I did have to put everything in context. Nonetheless, though, like you said, you know, really intriguing guy to add on your bench uh, and just see what happens, see what transpires, which brings me to one of the less hyped running backs that is my favorite actual, uh, probably my favorite player in the entire class, just from a a fun standpoint from when I was doing the research that popped up, a guy I really like a lot, Javian Hawkins, not looking like he's going to get the draft capital required to be super relevant, um, also d- probably doesn't have the size. I actually just did a um, went on a pod with uh, the FF Spaceman um, called the Rookie Fever Podcast, where I talked about him. Um, it's an awesome podcast that they're doing, taking a full episodes to go through a player. I got to pick. I talked about Javen Hawkins because I like him so much. I'm super excited. Anyways, just quickly, your thoughts if you're also on board with Hawkins, and then I want to hear about your favorite less hyped running back from the class, Curtis. So you're the second guy at Rudaviz who has uh, planted a flag on Javian Hawkins is like your your favorite uh, discount rookie. Yes, and, and Blair also very yes. very excited about Javian well, Hawkins. Well, I, I want to say too that I was the first one that actually brought Javian okay. Hawkins to the table because okay. when I was putting together the breakaway rush score stuff, Javian Hawkins dominated and came in first, and then that was when I was like, we got to start looking at this mm-hmm. guy more. Okay, well, speaking of dominating, the reason that Blair's on him is uh, he's our guy that does the backfield dominator rating stuff. And Javian Hawkins had the number one overall backfield dominator rating uh, in the class. Um, So that's why he's on him. You guys are on him for two different reasons, two different metrics. That's probably a good thing. Uh, We're actually recording this two days before Louisville's Pro Day, uh, which is scheduled for March 30th. So that's going to be very important. Let's see what Javian Hawkins' size is. What I see in Hawkins is somebody who's probably not going to get day two draft capital, um, but seems like a pretty exciting guy, breaks long runs. Um, His number two sim player in the box score scout, I think is a perfect example of what he could be, uh, where he would end up being very effective uh, and efficient from a fantasy perspective without really holding down a backfield. And it's Matt Breida. That's his number two. I really love that sim. Yep. For Javian Hawkins is exactly the type of player that I think he could be uh, in the NFL. And that, that's exciting. Like not everyone ends up being Christian McCaffrey. So if you can get it at Brita, who ends up being, you know, an RB one for handfuls of games at a time uh, at a relative discount, in your rookie drafts, like that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And then the final note that I will share on Hawkins, that's that like the really cool thing that he does just from a playing football perspective is there are so many plays. If you watch the film on him, where he breaks to the right side of the field, there's nothing there, and then just cuts back left, reverses the field, and just breaks away mm-hmm. and goes for like 45 yards to the end zone, and he does that a lot. So really fun player. Uh, but it looks like you also had another back that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, this is another guy that uh, performs well in both of the metrics we were you know, just talking about. In the breakaway rush score, uh, he's third in the class there, and he's actually second best in backfield dominator rating. 
Um, so another guy that maybe he's the number two uh, for each of you and Blair because he <laughs> performs well on your metrics. Yeah. Uh, but this is a guy. This is a guy who performed um, early on in his college career. I like to call him the Juju Smith Schuster of running backs in this class because he broke out early and then kind of has just been hanging around. Mm-hmm. But he uh, he weighs in at 216 pounds. I mean, he has uh, he has workhorse within his range of outcomes here, and it's Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State. So uh, also uh, kind of universally viewed outside of that top tier of running backs, uh, maybe even outside of that second tier, if you want to give Javonta Williams his own tier um, there, you know, behind the consensus top two of Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. So uh, that's a good pair of guys there with Javion Hawkins as a breakaway player, Jamar Jefferson, maybe uh, slightly less good at breaking away, but maybe more of the requisite NFL size uh, for, you know, a three down back. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing I find, too, about Jefferson is I have checked out some of the thoughts from different outlets, and I have seen places where he's basically like an afterthought, and he's not getting a lot of recognition. And in my opinion, he's a player that should be getting into the same type of discussion as a guy like Michael Carter. So depending on who you're drafting with, there might be a lot of people that aren't even thinking about him. And he's one of those guys that, given the size that you mentioned, actually has a more likely path to getting a relevant role on an NFL team than a guy like Javian Hawkins. So I'm actually fairly interested in him, interested in him. And will definitely be having him on my list of guys that I'm waiting to see where they fall to me in my drafts. He's going to end up in the NFC West for sure. Basically, I think nobody wants to watch Oregon state play football. So it's going to be a local scout uh, that's on it. Like I, I could really see him ending up in like San Francisco, Brita now. Uh, in their in their backfield, like I'm, I'm really not joking. I think he's going to end up on the West Coast just from a scouting perspective. Yep. Um, you want to mention Amonra St. Brown real quick? Yes, I do. So, wide receiver from USC. Um, we know about the family, right? His brother Equinemius. This is a family that plays a lot of football, and it's actually possible that Amon Ra might be the best player of the bunch. So, very young, just 21. Uh, 7'1", 71 inches, so putting him in at 5'11", 197 pounds. Interesting pro day results. Ran a 4.51, that's a 50th percentile, 40. Um, ran the shuttle in just 4.27, 46th percentile. Had a 78th percentile, 3-comb, 6.18. So a- athletically, you know, a fine athlete. Nothing too crazy. But what I do like about St. Brown is... Receiving market share of 26 in his first year at USC. Um, As you mentioned, things did trail off. Just 16 touchdowns across the career um, in 30 games. 12.7 yards per reception. 2,270 receiving yards. These might not seem like that gaudy of numbers. But given the age, when I run him through my wide receiver regression tree, in terms of players that are outside the Waddle, Jamar Chase type of range, Uh, you know, Devonta Smith, these top level guys, he actually scores higher than a lot of other receivers and is looking like a player that could realistically fall into that eight to 10 point per game range, which isn't overly exciting. But he does seem like a guy, I think that if you get him in the right situation on a team that could use a player like him, is actually going to be fairly relevant. And again, a lot of it goes back to that age. Um, but there is reason to like him. So I'm actually fairly excited about him. Do you have any uh, thoughts on that overall profile from St. Brown? 
Yeah. Um, maybe I'll share fewer statistics and just some additional interesting nuggets. I've, yep. I've actually been digging in on him over the last week. Um, and so Equinemius in the NFL, that's a bloodline deal here. But did you know that his dad is John Brown, former two-time Mr. Universe? He, he's literally like one of the most famous bodybuilders of all time, Dave. That's um, crazy. Two-time Not mention, Mr. Universe yes. in, the, in the early 80s and a three-time Mr. World. Wow. The, the level of swag that that has to uh, bring to the table here has to translate on some level into being a wide receiver here. If there's anything that's that's uh, if there's anything that would um, make a fantasy analyst feel a little bit smaller, it would be looking at a picture of, <laughs> of John Brown, two time Mr. Universe. It really just goes to show how freakishly uh, superhuman a, a lot of these athletes are. So, you know, good bloodlines dating back to dad there. But I had an, an opportunity on Sirius, uh, Sirius XM uh, radio. I listen to the NFL uh, show all the time. They have a lot of uh, great content on there and there was like a like 20 minute interview uh with st brown uh this past week and he is just he's so articulate he speaks three languages like his emotional intelligence is like off the charts he is gonna nail every interview and i know that's that's an area where uh his his older brother actually was dinged in the evaluation process for that it's one of the reasons he slid down the boards like they do not seem like they would be related based off of listening to st Brown talk. I, I think he is the type of player that is going to be able to memorize any playbook, fit in in any wide receiver room, create chemistry with the quarterback. Just such an interesting guy. So really somebody that you want to root for uh, comes across as humble, comes across as knowing uh, what he's capable of. And I, I think, uh, you know, all the things that you mentioned, you know, statistically and related to his age when he was doing those things. I mean, that that serves uh, to show that, you know, his, his profile is not one that we should be ignoring, especially uh, from a school like USC that's put a lot of good wide receivers in the NFL, um, you know, o- over the course of multiple different coaching regimes. One thing that I wouldn't know as maybe uh, a slight ding against him from a production standpoint, he actually grades below the 50th percentile and Travis May's adjusted production index. That's one that I like to go to when I'm not really quite sure on, on yep. what's going on uh, with the player there. I mean, 47th percentile, it's not like egregiously low, um, it probably in the range of where, you know, you at least need to be to not be ignored. Um, but also, you know, compared to m- the many other players in this class that grade out above the 70th, 80th percentile, I would just be a little concerned about pushing him too far up the boards. To me, he's like a priority target in the late middle to late second round uh, of rookie drafts, but not a guy I'm looking to reach for, you know, at the end of the first or something to avoid missing him. Got it. Yeah. And I think that's a perfectly um, fair context to put it in, uh, especially because there's a lot of guys that I really like in this wide receiver class. This, to me, is a very, very solid wide receiver class. Uh, You know, in another class, he might be one of those guys that you would consider more going in the first round, which would be a bit of a reach. Um, Any any other players that you wanted to mention? Yeah, this is another player that falls outside that traditional, you know, kind of consensus wide receiver second tier. Um, and it's Diami Brown, Diami Brown out of uh, University of North Carolina, only one of uh, eight players with a breakout age uh, under 20 and a half in this class. We know that that's very important uh, for reasons that are well documented on our site. <laughs> um, and, you know, an interesting. Yeah, so, so another thing that I like to do when I'm trying to envision like a range of outcomes for a player before we have that NFL production. So it's like almost engineering range of outcomes just by visualizing like what are the cohorts of players he fits with when I look at. Uh, what he's done as a prospect. 
Well, Diami Brown fits in with a pretty interesting group of guys. So uh, since 2000, only 10 power five wide receivers have compiled a season with at least 50 receptions and averaged at least 20 yards per reception in doing so. So these are guys that are like in at least the 51,000 club, uh, if you want to look at it that way. Every one of those guys who's actually been drafted in the NFL was drafted in either the first or second round. Uh, and Diami Brown is the only player to do it twice. The only player to do it twice. So um, when I think about Diami Brown, think about his size. I think about the big play element that he brings. Like, I kind of think he might be the next Will Fuller. Um, that's how I'm looking at him. He he is a priority guy for me, like yep. at the top of the second round. Like, I would much rather take him a half round early, make sure that I get him on my team. I know Blair is super high on him as well. I think has him in his top eight overall yep. of rookie ranks. Um, so yeah. What do you think on Diami Brown? Any strong thoughts there? Yeah, I actually do have strong thoughts as well. And, and the, the, the first major reason is just how into his profile Blair is. That was the first thing that really got me interested. Then, like you said, there's a lot of things. If you look at his profile that other players just don't do the age is impossible for me to look past. But the other thing that's really interesting is Given that he's a younger receiver, you still see in the scouting reports people talking about how precise he is as a route runner and that being one of his best traits, which, you know, when a guy like Calvin Ridley was coming out of school, we were saying, well, the guy's like, you know, like 37, he should be able to run good routes, right? Because he's been doing it. But so he's all, this is a guy that's already doing those little things that can make a big difference and that are important. And then I also think that he has the, the athleticism that's going to add to that overall profile. So I am definitely excited about him. All right. So uh, three, three is a crowd, but it, this is a good crowd to be part of. Uh, three of us in on Diami Brown here. <laughs> I'm sure we're not the only three I wrote of his either. I know Travis is, uh, Travis May, uh, our Debbie coordinator, very high on Diami Brown as well. Uh, had just glowing remarks uh, on him before the 2020 season even started. Uh, and, and, you know, the, he, he's a guy that I really trust when it comes to evaluating players. Obviously, he spends all of his time uh, checking out these college football uh, prospects. So, uh, Dimey Brown, if you're taking notes, priority target at the top of the second round in your rookie drafts this year. Yeah, and, and Travis, like you said, he's he's incredible um, with keeping track of these guys. Like the amount of stuff that he knows on these players before they've even come into the discussion as NFL prospects is insane. So him being in on Brown is huge. That takes us to the end of this episode. We will be back on Friday. Reminder to send us in your questions if you want to be in the running to win a Rotoviz shirt. 978-615-9214. Please send those in. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at RotovizFFShow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by. <laughs>